416-216-5910 is the number anytime. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That's to drop us an email during the show. We'll get into the injury calculator, which is an amazing little tool. First, we always start off. Savan gives us some uh, some cases, some interesting stuff that he's been working on. We call the week that was here on the show. Go ahead. Well, John, we mm-hmm. have a lot of cases to discuss. And uh, Old Man Winter oh, yes. finally made uh, his okay. entrance. Uh, we, we had the first uh, uh, big snowfall. Uh, earlier this week, and of course, uh, a lot of car accidents, a lot of calls and emails that I've received from people. So let's start off with an interesting case, uh, an interesting email that I had received from this person Mm. who was in an accident back in April, and she actually hired a lawyer to help her with the car accident claim. Now, as a result of her injuries, she was placed on short-term disability. Mm -hmm. Uh, She wasn't able to work, and she was on uh, short-term disability for 12 weeks, and then she was cut off due to, quote-unquote, lack of medical documentation, which we've seen, of course, in long-term disability claims, short-term disability claims, etc. She's given the insurance company uh, the various documents they required, but she's still having difficulty with them. Now, get this. She said that she had to go back to work because her employer was threatening to fire her, right? Mm-hmm. So she's been back to work for about two months, but she is in tremendous pain. Uh, she has a letter from her doctor stating that uh, her ability to work is very, very limited. And the reason she contacted us is because she needs help with the disability claim. Right. So here you have a case, which is really interesting because you have a convergence of three separate uh, legal issues. You have the car accident, which has its own uh, dimension. Then you have this whole issue of, about her being disabled from work. So she has the disability issue. So she's dealing with the disability insurance company. And then, of course, she has these issues with the employer who is doing something that is illegal, threatening to fire her because she's unable to work, right? And again, I keep talking and saying this uh, and, and talking about these kinds of issues because at, at our firm, we handle all three of these types of, of laws, whereas in most other firms out there, they either specialize in personal injury, yep. disability, or employment. And of course, if Lior was here, he would be talking about the employment issue. So what I can tell you is that this lady can be and should be protected from all three uh, threats, essentially. Right. Uh, because she's going to be dealing with probably two insurance companies on the car accident side. Remember, if you're injured in a car accident... Unfortunately, this week, because of the weather, we've had a lot of people in accidents, so they're dealing with their own insurance companies, not only because their cars have been damaged and need to be replaced and repaired, but also because they've suffered injuries. And so we're dealing with accident benefits, right? So there's a whole sphere of information that we're going to get into about that. Of course, they may end up having a claim against whoever caused the accident, just like this lady. Yep. And then she's dealing, of course, like I said, with the employer and with her own uh, STD insurer. So very, very important that if you are injured in a car accident and you know you're going to have issues down the road with your employer, that you are transparent, that you're providing your employer with the medical documentation and reports, substantiating your inability to work Mm -hmm. and make sure that you give your lawyer who's handling your car accident claim copies of those letters if they don't have them already. And, and make sure, of course, that your lawyer is involved with the disability claim. Again, very important to have the same team as opposed to yep. her contacting me and now having potentially two, if not three, law firms helping her. So word to the wise, if you're injured in a car accident, you're thinking you may have some employment issues, disability issues, just give us a call. Give me a call. 
email me. I'll put you in touch with the right people at my firm with your employment situation. And of course, my team and I will help you with your disability case and the car accident case. 416-216-5910 is that number. Simple. Keep it in your wallet uh, at all times or on your phone on speed dial, especially this winter coming up with what they're calling as far as the uh, road conditions could be concerned. Email is simple as well. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Week though, what's continues? What else uh, What else we got? Well, this is interesting. So I had this uh, gentleman contact me. And John, I know you're going to roll your eyes because we talked about this countless times. Mm-hmm. So he called me because him and his mother were involved in a car accident back in March of 2013. Ah. Now you're thinking that I'm going to tell you that he's out of time Two to make a claim. Now. No, he's not. He actually started a claim no. with a lawyer. And I have the name of the lawyer. I'm not going to mention the name of that lawyer. But apparently, after listening to me, he says, listen, we signed off on the settlement uh, that was offered to them a few months ago. Both him and his mother, after listening to me and uh, communicating with me, understand that the settlement was for much less than what they ought to have uh, settled for or received. It's a fraction, essentially. And he wanted to know if there is any way to reverse that settlement, to undo this settlement. And my answer is no. In rare circumstances you can actually go after your lawyer for what's called an improvident settlement. I don't recommend you do that. It's very case-specific. It's very rare to be able to do that, to be successful in doing that. So, you know, save yourself the hassle and get the right lawyer and the right law firm ahead of time at the beginning. Make sure you do your research. Give me a call. You know, I keep saying that. Give me a call. Email me. At least we can have a conversation. Uh, If not with me, then perhaps with somebody on my team. Uh, You know, if I'm not around, I'm always around, but if I'm not around for whatever reason, I'm in a meeting, I'm on the radio, you know, someone else is going to be able to feel the call to talk to you or to email with you to give you some information. No one is going to pressure you to do anything. If you want to go with another law firm, another lawyer, by all means, Go ahead. You know, there's a lot of great lawyers out there. Just make sure that you do your research and don't just call up whoever's on the billboard next to your house. Very, very important. So in this case, unfortunately, I wasn't able to help this individual and his mother. The fact that they're unhappy with their settlement, they signed off on it. They had a lawyer. It is what it is. I bet you that happens more often than than, than not, really, as it people say, oh, I guess that, wow, 50000 that's a ton of money. Meanwhile, it could be a heck of a lot more, right? You, you know, John, it, so for it, example. First, of, first of all, it happens a lot. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, not every time when someone comes to me do I tell them that they have a bad settlement. Yep. Sometimes the settlements are adequate. And, you know, there is a range. This is not scientific. Uh, it, you know, it takes experience and it takes a lot of um, uh, analysis for the individual case to look at the facts, to look at everything, to figure out, well, is this within the ballpark? Is this the range? It's like selling a house. Mm-hmm. No one's going to tell you your house is worth, you know, here's what's here's what it's worth up to the dollar. They're going to tell you, here's the range, yeah. right? Same thing with personal injury, with disability. There's always a range. There are certain risks that you have to weigh. But at the end of the day, if I think a settlement should be two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, and the person comes to me and says, I settled my claim for $25,000, there is a problem. We'll take a quick break. You need to uh, call anytime. Again, make that phone call before you settle or you just need information. Make the call. It's 416-216-5910 to get hold of Savannah and his team. And the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll come back to a couple more week that was. and We'll get into the injury calculator, another an amazing yet free tool here offered by Savannah and his team. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Talk Radio AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll continue with the week that was. We'll get to the injury calculator and some of your emails here in just uh, just a little bit. Okay, so we have another one, and this is also a car accident, but there is a twist. And this is interesting because we get a lot of uh, calls about that. So uh, you have this uh, gentleman who called on behalf of his wife, 
who was involved in a car accident back in early November of uh, this year. Uh, she was at a stoplight. When the light turned green, she was putting her shift uh, into gear uh, when she was rear-ended. Uh, she sustained a whiplash, injured her back, neck, uh, has been going to physio, etc. Now, she was on her way to another office at the time of the accident, meaning she was in the course of her employment. So naturally, her employer says, well, you're eligible to file a claim through a workers' comp because you were injured during the course of your employment. Now, we don't do workers' comp cases. I get a lot of people calling me about that. We don't deal with workers' comp. But here's the thing. If you're injured in the course of your employment, that doesn't automatically mean that you have no claim against whoever caused the accident. I'm not going to get into the minutiae and the details on the analysis of how to figure out if you have a claim against a non-party, another party. But if it's a decision that you're making between filing a claim where workers' comp in a car accident situation or to claim compensation from whoever caused the accident, almost always, not always, but almost always, I will tell you to proceed with your own accident benefits insurer and file a claim down the road against the party that was at fault. And again, I'm not going to go into the details except to say that the benefits that you can get and just generally compensation you're able to get is a lot, uh, for lack of a better term, better uh, through the tort system, through the system that allows you to seek compensation. So, you know, my point is that in in her case, and by the way, she's not back to work. Uh, in, In her case, if she files a claim through WSIB, through workers' comp, she's going to be precluded from making that other claim against mm-hmm. whoever was at fault. And you, you rarely want to be in that situation. You want to have all the options available to you. So before you file a claim with workers' comp, if there is another party responsible and that party was not in the course of their employment, you could potentially file a claim against them and have their insurance company uh, respond to the claim. But you can't do both and you can't do them consecutively or No, you can't. can't no, do it. no okay, you can't one do or the that. other. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. What else you got? All right. So let's take a look at another one here. Uh, again, we have uh, a car accident case. Surprise, surprise. Right. We got a ton of those. This will be the theme until it, May, well, yeah. April. You know what? Car accidents, slip and falls, well. it's just so prevalent uh, in, in, in the winter. Uh, so uh, this lady called me. Uh, she was in a car accident with her nine year old daughter and her parents. Uh, she was in an intersection uh, waiting to make a left-hand turn when she was rear-ended. Uh, both she and her daughter experienced whiplash, uh, back pain, and uh, she's been off work since the incident. And her, her, her daughter luckily uh, was able to go back to school within mm-hmm. about a week or so. But they both have constant headaches, uh, and uh, you know she, she wanted to know what can we do about this. So, so this is this is interesting because the twist in this case is that the person that hit her from behind has no insurance. And we talked about this before. What do you do in a case where the injuries are potentially significant? And, of course, you're able to access accident benefits from your own insurance company. But what do you do if the other driver who was at fault has no insurance? That car has no insurance. That also goes through your own, right? Uh, Exactly. It Mm -hmm. goes through, exactly. The Insurance Act, Section 265 of the Insurance Act in Ontario, allows you to go after your own insurance as though that was the insurance of the at-fault party. Right. And, you know, for some people out there, they're going to say, well, wait a second, if I go through my insurance, premiums are going to go up, right. blah, blah, blah. But, but you know, con- consider this. Not necess- I wonder if it's not necessarily because well, you're first not of all, at fault. Well, at some point, we're going to have a broker here who's going to deal with these issues. I'm yeah. not a broker, so I can't speak to that. But but, but here's, here's the thing. You're dealing potentially with significant injuries, right? It doesn't have to be a fracture or a tear uh, for it to be significant. It can be just something that becomes chronic enough for you to be uh, unable to work, unable to do things around the house, to care for your children, mm-hmm. etc. So what do you do in that situation? 
And of course, you know, the concern is, well, that person uh, has no insurance or uh, it was a hit and run and you have no idea who to go after. So again, remember, there is recourse and the recourse is to go through your insurance company. They Mm -hmm. will stay. stand in place of the insurance company that is non-existent for the right. other side. Very important to understand that, that you do have recourse. Yeah, you got one more. We, uh, yeah, you got one more, right? Uh, let me take a look. Uh, I do have another one. Yep. Okay. So let's go through this one. Yeah. Um, so this individual, this is an LTD case, and uh, it's actually a fairly long email that he sent me, but the issue here, the main issue, and this is how he starts his email, is he says, first of all, I want to let you know that I am unionized. And of course, that's his concern, right? Because you yeah. know that from an employment standpoint, whenever you call the employment hour, speak with Lior, you know that if you're unionized, we can't do anything to help you, you have, have to, to go through the union. union. Yeah. Well, in long-term disability cases, the fact that you are unionized doesn't mean we can't help you. And we talked mm. about this on other shows. We have to uh, look at your collective agreement and see if the collective agreement talks about long-term disability. If it just superficially uh, mentions it or doesn't mention it at all, and you have an issue with your long-term disability insurer, we can help you. If, however, your collective agreement spells out in detail what your rights are, uh, what what compensation you can get under the LTD, then uh, you're done. Uh, exactly. Then, then yeah, exactly. Then we cannot help. Then the union has to step in. And unfortunately, in these situations, it can become very complicated because the union is simply not equipped to deal with the LTD issues. But my point is that even if you are unionized but you're having an issue with your long-term disability insurer, Mm -hmm. we could potentially be able to help you depending on what the collective agreement says. And oftentimes when somebody flips me the collective agreement, it literally takes me 30 seconds yeah. to figure out if we can help or not. It's like it's like a it's like a bad employment uh, employment uh, letter exactly. of employee you don't know, right? Simply you can go through it and say we can you help. You got right? it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, injury calculator. Give me some de- uh, details on that guy. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. tool. It's an online free tool, anonymous. You're, you're able to just go on it. If you were injured uh, through no fault of your own, so we're not talking about cases where uh, it was a single car collision. Uh, where you just went into a ditch because you fell asleep. We're talking about somebody hitting you or if you slipped and fell on ice. Again, somewhere, some, you know, somebody was responsible for your injury and you want to know how much you could potentially get right. for pain and suffering in Ontario and frankly across Canada with the exception of Quebec. And so what this tool is, it allows you to just click on a few things, a few options, right? You, you, you tell the calculator, where, where did you fall? You know, Toronto, how old are you? What kind of injury did you suffer? What is the extent of the injury? Is it a break? Is it a tear? Mm-hmm. Is it chronic now in terms of chronic pain? And what happens is the tool then goes through its database. There's an algorithm in there and it pulls out various cases from across the country and tries to figure out and doesn't try. It figures out what is the range of compensation that the courts have awarded for injuries such as the one you are inquiring about. Right. And so if you had a broken ankle, if you had uh, chronic pain or, you know, these headaches are not going away or a brain injury, God forbid, then you can go on this tool and it will give you this range of damages you could be looking at for pain and suffering only. That's key. Very, very key. Very, very important. And and John, I I get a ton of submissions from this tool on a a daily basis. People just want to know, okay. The calculator says I can get fifty to seventy thousand dollars for this injury, but what about the fact that I can't work or I have difficulty working, or the fact that now I have to hire someone to right. help me with snow shoveling? Right? How do we deal with that? Well, those other facts—that's stuff that I can talk to you about down the road. But this tool allows you to get a an idea, a starting point of what kind of compensation you're looking at for pain and suffering. 
Check it out, injurycalculator.ca is that tool. Even if you don't need it, have a look, go through it, try it once, see what you think. It's uh, it's really cool, really simple to use. The number 416-216-5910. We'll get to an email as soon as we come back from a short break, and that is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, right here, Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to send us an email. Get to Shauna from Kingston uh, through that email. It says, uh, my father's been on uh, LTD, long-term disability, for over a year for sciatica pain, and his insurance adjuster recently told him that they would only pay uh, pay him for two more months because they think he can do other jobs. His doctor said that he can't. He's an airplane mechanic, and it's a pretty physical job. Can't sit or stand for more than 10 minutes without a lot of pain, and he's in a lot of pain uh, medications too. So there you go. He's reached that, uh, did they say? No, there you go. Yeah, over two years, over a year. So they're getting close to that time, right? Yeah, Shauna, you know, the reality is that unfortunately many adjusters, many insurance companies uh, try to force or compel people who are on disability to go back to work. And what your father needs to do is say no. No, 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 no. The key line there is doctor said no. Exactly. That is the key. And and as long as the doctor, the treating physicians are providing supporting documents, reports that say, uh, we do not believe this person is able to go back to work for X, Y, and Z reasons, that should be sufficient for the insurance company. And the fact that the insurance company's adjuster here, from what you're writing, says that uh, they think that he can do other jobs. And what does that mean? And sometimes, John, they'll send you to... Uh, w- one of their assessors or assessment companies. Work assessment. Thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And what they'll do is th- they will do an assessment and say, well, you can do these five other jobs, ignoring completely the fact that the symptoms that are prohibiting you from going back to work would apply to those other positions as well. <laughs> and, and and so, you know, oftentimes these recommendations or, or these suggestions that the insurance company has for what kind of jobs you can do are simply devoid of reality. And what we do in our practice is I'll provide that report to the treating physicians, right? The family doctor, the specialist, whoever it is, and I'll have them comment on whether or not, in fact, their patient, my client, the insured, is able to do one of those jobs. So, Shauna, the reality is this. If your father's doctor says he cannot go back to work, not to this job, not to any other job for the foreseeable future, and if your father echoes that, right, your father will know if he, in fact, can go back to some form of employment. And he says, I cannot, I'm telling you right now, your father can resist the insurance company. And you know what I would suggest is that you or your father give me a call or email me, let me deal with the insurance company. Because as soon as they see a disability lawyer on file, they are much more careful because they understand that now this person is aware of their legal rights, their legal entitlements. So don't back down, don't simply assume you have to do whatever the insurance company says, Remember, their job is to save money. Their job is to make money. One of the ways that they do that is by forcing people off disability before they are ready. And your father should not do that. Now, there is that time around the two-year mark, though, where they'll say, you know, send you off an assessment to maybe not do your job, but do another job that you're otherwise qualified, educated for, blah, blah, blah. That's, That's okay, right. right? That's right. You, 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 absolutely. And you, you, you generally see insurance companies really starting to apply the pressure, you know, uh, you know, Put the screws to the individual mm-hmm. uh, towards the uh, the two year mark or the one and a half year mark, setting them uh, setting them up for for, for, for you know that two year uh, cut off. Yeah. And you know, John, I'm telling you, so many people are contacting me, and they are under the impression that they are only entitled to or only owed two years worth of long term disability, right. and that is not the case in most situations. Okay, most of these uh, uh, policies 
LTD policies will take you up until the age of 65, if not longer. And so if you have someone who is 50 years old, gets up to the two-year mark of being on LTD, and is being told by the insurance company, well, you know what, no more benefits for you, they don't understand that, no, no, you may qualify beyond that. The insurance company simply thinks that you can do some kind of other jobs. Remember, there are two different tests that apply for long-term disability. Okay, and this applies to almost every policy. Not every policy, but almost every policy. The first test, can you do your own job within the first two years of being on LTD? The second test is, can you do any job, any job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? So it's a broader test. And that's the reason why usually they send you to these assessments towards the two-year mark. They can say, okay, we recognize you have this disability, but we think that there are all these other jobs, other positions that your training or education or experience qualifies you for. And at that point, that's when we have to hit back, assuming, of course, our client is unable to go to any of these jobs. So, but, but, you know, again, it's so important for people not to give up, not to assume that, you know, it's a David and Goliath situation that you simply cannot stand up to the insurance company. And again, I know it's corny, but I'll say it again. David and Goliath, remember who won won that battle, battle, right? right? Insurance companies pay out these claims all the time. The way they make money is uh, they, they try to delay payment. And they're banking on the fact that many people out there are not going to know that they can, in fact, stand for their rights. And they'll turtle. Correct. Exactly. And it's so important, by the way, John, and this is really key here because you you see it's Shauna who's who's writing about her father. A lot of people who contact me are the family members Mm -hmm. of people in those situations. They are the friends. They are the colleagues because the people who are in that situation, they they are just so depressed. They're so anxious. They don't want to talk with anyone and that's why I tell people, listen, if you know someone in that situation, c- tell them to contact me, perhaps get their okay for you to speak with me. And it's okay. So long as you have authorization from that person, I will speak with you. I will provide uh, some direction. And if there is no case, then there is no case. And I'll tell you that there is no case. But otherwise, stand up for your rights. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more coming up. We'll get to tackle more of the LTD topic here when we come back from a short break and talk radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910, and it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked out the injury calculator, make sure you do that at injurycalculator.ca as well. It'll tell you what you're owed for pain and suffering right off the top with an injury of all sorts and kinds. Just type in some key information, and you'll uh, get a number spitting out at the bottom, and you can also contact uh, Savant from the bottom of the calculator as well. For further assessment, so long-term disability claims, who decides at the end of the day, uh, if there's a settlement, how much control does that client have in agreeing to that settlement? That's a fascinating question mm-hmm. because remember I told you people call me oftentimes for second opinions mm-hmm. uh, or, or if they can't get a hold of their lawyer or if perhaps they've settled already. And, and you know, it's interesting because the answer here is actually quite simple. The answer is that the client has overall authority. The individual who's advancing the claim my client is the one who's going to tell me at the end of the day, yes or no to that settlement. Interestingly enough, though, people contact me and they're telling me I was, you know, coerced by my lawyer. I was coerced by whoever it is. I didn't understand what was happening. I don't know how much of that is true and how much of it is not. I suspect that in some cases, you know, people just are are having second thoughts, uh, some regrets about settling. But in some cases, and I, I, you know, I, I do know some of these cases uh, personally, people that I've known that have settled. Uh, and yes, they, it's their signature on the line, but really they had no understanding of the settlement. Right. They didn't understand the breakdown. Certainly they had no clue how the settlement was arrived at. It is so crucial that the individual who is 
advancing the claim, the disabled person, the injured person, understands how it is that the settlement was arrived at. And, you know, I take great care to make sure that if we go to a mediation, I explain everything to my client. They are there next to me as we are negotiating. And, you know, it's funny because oftentimes they'll tell me, Sivan, we trust you. We know you know what you're doing. Just go ahead and get the best result for Mm -hmm. me. And my response is, I get that and I appreciate that. But instead of me having to backtrack and explain everything at the end of the day on how we got to the numbers we got, I want you to understand the process. And then at the end, when we get to the final numbers, I'll tell you, here's what I think. Here's what I recommend. I'm not going to simply tell you, here's the number, John. You tell me yes or no without me giving you a recommendation. No, I'm going to tell you, it's a good deal. It's not a good deal. It's an okay deal. I'll tell you what I think, but you are the one who's calling the shots. So essentially, if you think about it, you have complete control. And that's how it should be. And if a lawyer is pressuring a person to settle against their will, that lawyer is, in my view, not doing the job that they were hired to do. They were hired to get the best result possible, to explain it, and then to take instruction from their client. So long as the instructions are not illegal, so long as that they are within the power of the individual to give those instructions, the lawyer has to carry out those instructions. Yeah, advising someone's different than pressuring someone, right? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. But unfortunately, yeah. with lawyers, you know, oftentimes it's it's like doctors sometimes, right? Doctors say, I, I know more than you. I know exactly how to treat your, your, your illness. I'll tell you what you need to do. Well, no, I'm the patient. You tell me what the options are. You give me the recommendation, and then I'll make an informed decision. That's right. the whole point of informed consent, informed decisions. It's no different, in my view, in the legal profession. Martin from Ottawa writes in, says, last year I went off on long-term disability because of depression. My father died in a car accident, and uh, I've been seeing a psychologist once a week since that time. My insurance adjuster keeps bugging me to try to go back to work, but I really can't yet. And my psychologist thinks that my adjuster is exacerbating the problem. How do I get this adjuster off my back? John, you answer that. Call you. Yes, Martin. Like now. Call me. Call me. You shouldn't be dealing with that adjuster. No. And so, for, first of all, I'm very sorry to hear about your father. Uh, I, I I know what that feels like to, to lose a parent. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the insurance company should be there to help you through this difficult time. That's the whole point. You know, it, it's interesting. Uh, insurance contracts, policies of insurance are contracts. They are actually, mm-hmm. they're contracts, right? Uh, but they're contracts for what? They're contracts for peace of mind. That's what they're selling you. When you buy uh, travel insurance, when you buy house insurance, car insurance, you are buying protection. Yep. That's what you think you're buying. And so it, it's very unfortunate and tragic, really, that you know at, at the lowest time when you really need the insurance company to be behind you, to give you that space, to allow you to recuperate, to allow you to try and get better, to focus on yourself, that's when they are turning on you. Mm-hmm. And that's what seems to be happening here with Martin. And his own psychologist is saying to him that the adjuster is exacerbating the problem. So, you, you know, you'd think to yourself that this is, this is so unnatural. This makes no sense. It's, it's counterintuitive. Why would the insurance company uh, be pressuring him, making things worse, thereby potentially making it so that he ends up being on disability that much longer? Well, the reason for that is because many people, Martin, end up breaking and they end up backing away. And so the insurance company gets to keep all that money that they're not going to pay you because you're going to walk away. And you should not walk away. And one of the ways not to walk away is to give me a call, to email me. Let me deal with the adjuster. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I promise you, if your psychologist is supporting your ongoing disability, I'll be able to get that adjuster to back off. And if, by God, they end up taking the extreme step of cutting you off, they will get a claim the very next day on their door. They might as well try. Well, you know. You know what I mean? They do. They try. They try. They try all the time. And, but they try because many times they succeed. 
people simply back away. They mm-hmm. say, listen, I, I can't do it anymore. They give up. And the problem is that by the time they understand that they have rights or they have somebody like me that can stand up to those uh, people of power at the insurance companies, uh, th- you know, th- they've missed a limitation period or, or yes. perhaps they, they, they've done something that sort of screws up their claim. So very, very important whenever you feel that you're in that situation, whether it's you or someone in your family or a friend, tell them to give me a call. I'll talk with them. At the very least, you'll get your options. Like I said, we don't force anyone to do anything. But let me give you the specific information you need to make an informed decision on how to proceed. 416-216-5910 is that number we're talking about. And the uh, email, rather, is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The Insurance and Injury Law Show continues. Talk radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We're talking long-term disability cases here. So in those cases, uh, does it help to have friends and family provide testimonials in addition to the doctor's report supporting the individual? Because we know the doctor you know, basically trumps all, but it's good to have more ammo, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And this is interesting too. Now, let me put my defense lawyer's hat on. Remember, oh. I used to work uh, for insurance companies in the past. And the strongest cases were not necessarily the ones where I had all these medical documents thrown at my face, and, you know, telling me how injured this individual was or how disabled that person was. Uh, yeah, th- those are very effective, especially when they come from treating physician as opposed to yep. uh, hired guns. But some of the most effective ways of persuading the insurance company and the defense lawyers that in fact they have a legitimate case is by having testimonials from friends, family members, uh, perhaps colleagues at work who have yeah. known you for all this time, have known you from before the injury or before the disability and after. And, and you know, that's what I do with many of the cases we have is I'll, I'll tell my clients, I'll ask them, do you have anyone that we can go to? Can they provide a video of themselves? Perhaps we'll take that video as well of them talking about how you've changed after the accident. We just want some details. We don't want, we're not looking to, to create a Hollywood uh, um, uh, video here, a production. We're just looking uh, to have some kind of a humanistic angle uh, that we can present to the insurance company. And if that doesn't work, then okay. You know what? Ask them to provide some written testimonials, some letters where they outline, again, specific examples of how you were before the accident and how you are now. Colleagues at work can say, look, you know, before the accident, Jane used to do X, Y, and Z. I used to work with her, you know, and and go out for lunches, et cetera. Mm -hmm. After the accident, I visited her several times. I cannot fathom how she would be able to go back to work at this point. That's very powerful. And why is it powerful? Because, you know, insurance companies, they assess the information they get. And so if they have one of your doctors, you know, one of the injured individual's doctors, write that this person cannot work, the insurance company can potentially counter that by providing one of their doctors, right. right? So then you have the battle of the doctors. But if you provide these testimonials from family members, friends, and colleagues, how is the insurance company going to undermine them? What, they're going to say that all of them are lying? You know, it's extremely powerful stuff, this, this lay witness testimony. And I think that many lawyers in my profession who do what I do don't utilize that and don't leverage that to the same uh, extent that we do. I mean, there's lawyers that certainly do that. But I think it's very, very powerful stuff, and I think that oftentimes that ends up generating a much higher settlement value than simply a case where we just produce medical documents. More boots on the ground, the better, right? You got it, exactly. Yeah. We'll get to uh, Blake here from Sarnia Writes In. It is uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. It is, uh, I've been working in car accident, or at least I've been in a car accident five years ago, but I wasn't injured. It was another accident one month ago where I was hit from the side and I have a lot of pain in my left shoulder, haven't gone back to work. My insurance adjuster asked a lot of questions about the accident from five years ago. Are they going to try to use that against me? 
Yes, they will try to use that against <laughs> you, Straight Blake. Up. But but you know, it's actually a very interesting question. You know, people oftentimes when they contact me, mm-hmm. they've had other accidents in yep. the past, and it's not unusual to see situations where someone has had multiple accidents, but they were able to recuperate on after each one, and perhaps they were injured and they were able to go back to work, yep. uh, back to normal living. But you know, it's that one accident, the last accident, and perhaps it wasn't even the most violent one. It was just the one, you know, as they say. Uh, they, that uh, broke the camera's back, back, right? That was the one. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. What's going to happen here is, uh, Blake, the insurance company is going to look at the medical documents. And if the medical documents, meaning your family doctor's file, for example, if it's going to show exactly what you're saying, which is that five years ago, that accident really had not that much of an impact on you. Uh, perhaps uh, you had some back pains, neck pains, etc. but you were able to go back to full functioning, back to work, mm-hmm. back to hockey, whatever it is you're doing. But yet this accident from one month ago was more severe or has had a much larger impact on you. If they see, if, if the medical documents bear that out, then as much as they're going to want to try and use that accident from five years ago to say that really your injuries are from that accident a long time ago, they won't be able to succeed with that argument because the medical records will simply support your version of events as opposed to their hypothetical version of events. But you know, to answer your question, yes, insurance companies will use everything they have. Uh, if you've had another slip and fall, they'll try and use that. But again, we're, we, we always go back to the medical documents. Uh, we go back to the employment documents. We want to see if, in fact, your limitations currently are from the current accident as opposed to one years and years ago. But, I mean, it doesn't say his age here, but that could also be a factor. It's five, he was five years younger. Absolutely. Right, the first accident. So, I mean, if, you know, if he's if he's 55 and now he's 60, that could make a big difference. Well, that's right. right. Exactly. And, and, you know, you have a situation where somebody had a slip and fall, you know, eight months ago and they were okay. And, and now suddenly they had a car accident that appeared to have been a fairly light car accident. But because the person was vulnerable and had some kind of an injury from that slip and fall, they did not really act up. Well, now it's been exacerbated by this uh, right. minor, quote unquote, car accident. Again, we're looking at the accident or the injury that really caused the current disability, not uh, you know the, 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 the initial genesis of, of, of the symptoms. We'll get to more questions uh, very shortly. We have another email, too, before we wrap it for the day. In the meantime, the number 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That's email you can use anytime. And if you haven't checked out the injury calculator, punch your numbers into that one as well, Injury calculator.ca. More of the insurance and injury law show coming right up. It's Talk Radio, ma'am, 640. 416-216-5910 is that number. An email anytime uh, during or after the show. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked out uh, the injury calculator, that's an amazing tool. Absolutely free online injury calculator. Uh, .ca for that one as well. So, how important are medical records to an injury case? Should you always go to the doctor? Can you just go to your favorite Cairo, massage therapist, physio? Well, they're very, very important because that's what the insurance company is going to look at when they assess the validity of your claim in terms of damages, right? There's nothing wrong with going to a chiropractor, massage therapist, absolutely nothing wrong. But there is this thing that insurance companies have where, you know, they have a hierarchy in their minds. You know, if you've gone to a specialist like an orthopedic surgeon, a neurologist, uh, a physiatrist, somebody of of, of that nature uh, because of your accident, then they think, okay, it must be really serious. If you've only gone to your family doctor as opposed to uh, the emergency room right after an accident, well, it can't be that bad because you went to the family doctor or to a walking clinic, right? So just think about it from not necessarily common sense, but insurance sense. That's the way they approach it. 
And so if all you do is go to your favorite chiropractor, nothing wrong with chiropractors as far as I'm concerned. Yep. I know there's a big debate in the medical community about them, but I, I use a chiropractor. I have no issues with them. So do I, and he very rarely, he, he, his manipulation is very minimal of what he does. They do so much more. Oh, absolutely. Right. And, and again, yeah, there's a whole slew of, of therapists out there, physiotherapists, mm-hmm. uh, acupuncturists, all that kind of stuff. Our pal Dr. Lou has been on the exactly, show. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. And so I support that. Except that I would tell you that it would be good if you also have, you know, the MDs involved. Totally. So don't just go to the rehab clinic, but do go to your family doctor every once in a while after an accident. Mm-hmm. If only to report the symptoms, make sure they're in the records and see if there's anything else your doctor recommends in addition to the treatments you are receiving. Again, very important. It shows two things. Number one, it shows that you are in fact uh, trying to mitigate your injuries. You're trying to see if there's anything else that can be done. I, not just going to the clinic uh, where you have your chiropractor and your massage therapist. And and number two, it creates, uh, you know, multiple uh, record streams. So not only do right. you have medical records from the chiro clinic uh, or the rehab clinic, mm-hmm. but you have uh, a, a, a medical record uh, that, that spans months or, or years even with your family doctor or your specialist. Again, insurance companies will look at that. They will look at the medical trail to figure out you know, the accident happened a year ago, two years ago. Has this person gone to the family doctor yeah. more than just once? Some due diligence, right? Got, exactly. You know, you're saying that your your right shoulder is really hurting you. Have there been any investigations? You know, have you gotten a referral to a, a for an MRI to see if there's a tear? You know, that's what they're going to look at. So medical records are vitally important uh, to an injury claim and a disability claim. Got uh, about a couple minutes left, so we'll hammer through a quick email here. This one comes from Brad in uh, Aurora. Says, my friend's wife is undergoing chemo for stage 2 breast cancer. She's off work. Uh, her long-term disability insurer is trying to get her uh, to return to work program and is pressuring her to go back to modified duties. It's against her doctor's advice. Are they allowed to do this? Well, if... So, Brad, the question, are they allowed to do it? Yeah, they're allowed to do it. I mean, the adjuster is doing whatever the adjuster thinks is right. Uh, the issue is... Should uh, your friend's wife uh, go back to work? Well, no. Again, remember, remember, whenever the insurance company is pressuring you to try and return back to work, uh, there are two questions that you have to answer for yourself uh, to see whether or not you should be, in fact, doing that. Number one, are your doctors allowing you to go back? Are are your doctors telling you, no, do not go back? Or are they saying it's okay for you to go back? That's number one. Number two, can you actually go back? Do you feel like you can if the answer to either of these questions is no, you should not be going back, and you should put that in writing to the insurance company and tell them, my doctor has said I cannot go back at this time. I am not going back at this time. Or I am, I, I, you know, I, I just don't feel that I can go back. I'm still recuperating. Put that in writing, in an email, in fax, whatever it is. If you're still having issues, if they're still pressuring you afterwards, give me a call or email me. I will deal with them, and trust me, I'll get them to back off. Done for another week. More information can be had anytime you want to hear the show. It is on every weekend. You can also email Savang and more details. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. It is uh, injurycalculator.ca. If you haven't used that, see what your pain and suffering. I said pain and suffering is worth. Even if you're not injured, you can go through that and see what the number would be. And anytime, 416-216-5910 is the number. Till next time, it's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is Talk Radio, AM640.